Well, we're in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, and uh, we've been in verses 31 through through 37. And we're going to start with verse 38, just a little background of what's happened here. Jesus is in Capernaum. Uh, just the week before, he was in Nazareth, his hometown. As he was in the synagogue, uh, those in Nazareth didn't hear one word Jesus had to say. Well, actually, they did, but they thought his words were very offensive, and they wanted to kill Jesus. And so Jesus left there and came to Capernaum. Okay, it's the next Sabbath. Totally different reception in Capernaum. They see Jesus as one having authority. Uh, there's authority in his teaching. There's authority over uh, demonic activity. He is a man of authority. And uh, we're going to look, pick it up now in verses 38 through 44. And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So we're looking at the authority of Jesus. Last week, the authority in his teaching. Because they saw him as having had authority in his teaching, they believed his word. You know what Jesus did? Um, supernatural things in Capernaum. In Nazareth, because they didn't believe Jesus' word, he wasn't one of authority. Jesus didn't do one miracle in his hometown. But totally different reaction here in Capernaum. Because they believed his word. My friend, when you believe Jesus' word, you believe his promises, God will do amazing things in your life, in the life of your family, in your influence in other people's lives. But you got to believe his word. Not only did we see his authority in his teaching, but authority over uh, demons. And last week we looked at the fact that, that uh, the Bible describes our life as a house. And uh, if we don't want uh, the oppression or the possession of the enemy in our life, we got to learn to shut the door, to close the windows. Because Satan is looking for any and every opportunity to, in, to enter our life. <clears throat> but the Bible says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. 
But we've got to believe Jesus' words, and we need to practice Jesus' words. And when we do that, guess what? We're shutting the door and the windows to the enemy. Now, I just want to share a couple insights about demons from this text of, of uh, Scripture. And, and again, we're going to be looking more at demons as we walk through the book of Luke. But the, a couple things I want you to observe here. Number one is this. Demons have an orthodox view of the Trinity. They know who Jesus is, that he has come from God, that he is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah, the Christ himself. You don't have to twist their arms to convince them of who Jesus is. They know exactly who Jesus is. Another thing we learn about demons is that as they look at Jesus, they know that his authority is unquestionable. When Jesus tells them to do something, Jesus, the, the demons flee at his command. Folks, I want you to know that, you know, when we, when we think about taking on the devil and uh, fighting the enemy in our life, you can't do it in your flesh. Only in the power of his Holy Spirit at the name of Jesus. The third thing that we see from this uh, text is that some illnesses are caused by demons. Now, I don't want to freak you out. And if you've got a cold, you're thinking to yourself, oh, man, that's, the de- uh, that's a demon in my life. No, not everybody who had Ill- illnesses uh, were were oppressed or possessed by by demons. But we do see in this text this morning that as Jesus was healing in verses 40, verse 41, some demons came out of individuals uh, proclaiming that he was the Son of God. And then another passage I want to point you to just to to remind us that... um, Demons are are organized. They're not just some kind of fly-by-night fly by minion of the enemy, but demons are real and they're organized. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Just to show you what we're up against. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. There's demonic activity all around us. And that doesn't mean that I want to freak you out and that you're to live your life in fear. No, Jesus has all authority over these things. But we must be looking to Jesus. It's Jesus that will help us prevail, that will enable us to prevail. And nothing you and I can do in the flesh. And um, so 
nothing can stand against Jesus. And so when we are in Jesus, folks, we are in good hands. So authority over demons, authority uh, in his teaching. But the third thing I want you to see this morning is the authority Jesus has over his kingdom. In verse 43 of Luke chapter 4, um, the kingdom of God is mentioned for the very first time. Jesus must go about. The people of Capernaum, they wanted Jesus to stay there. They wanted Jesus to be their pastor, you know, and that, uh, that they would just hang out with Jesus the rest of his life. But no, Jesus had a responsibility. He had a calling to go throughout all of uh, the towns preaching the good news of the gospel. And this is the first time the kingdom of God is mentioned. And in the book of Luke, it is mentioned 37 times. Now, what is Luke trying to um, establish here in this text? Number one, he's... He's, he's wanting us to see that, that Jesus is authenticating who he is. He's authenticating his ministry by his acts of miracle, by his healings. Um, look at Acts chapter 10, another book that Luke wrote. Acts chapter 10, verses 37 through 42. This, this is Peter speaking here. Verse 37 says, You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. Okay, we're in that text in Luke 4. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him up on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank after him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to judge, to be judge of the living and the dead. What makes Jesus judge of both the living and the dead? What gives Jesus his authority? God himself. And Jesus proves it by healing those around him. That this is the kind of authority that he has in his kingdom. Not only is Jesus authenticating his ministry, but guess what? Number two, Jesus is giving us a glimpse of what the kingdom of God is all about. You know, the text here, and even through the, our context today, there's a lot of pain and suffering, isn't there? We saw that in Hurricane Sandy. How uh, death and destruction and, and the fallenness of this world, how we are vulnerable to, to illnesses, how we're vulnerable to weather, uh, all these sorts of things. This is, 
These are the consequences that we have of living in a fallen world. But every time you see Jesus touch someone and heal them, or when he calms the storm, guess what? He's he's pulling back the curtains of the kingdom of God, and he's giving us a glimpse of what eternity is going to be like. There's not going to be any more illness. There's not going to be any more cancer. There's not going to be any more rest homes or hospitals or doctors or preachers. You know, it's not going to be all about Jesus. There's not going to be any more tornadoes or hurricanes or earthquakes. Everything is going to be made perfect. And this is what we can know about the kingdom of God. When Jesus does these things, there's not going to be any more demonic activity. People aren't going to be oppressed by the enemy or possessed by the devil. People are going to be set free. This is the kingdom of God. This is what we have to look forward to. And so here Jesus is. He He's doing these things in Luke chapter 4. Um, he's left the synagogue service. He's gone to Peter's house where his mother-in-law lives. She's ill. She has a fever. Uh, Jesus heals her of her illness. That night, um, word of Jesus is getting out and, and people are coming to Jesus with all different kinds of illnesses. And the Bible says he touches and he heals every one of them. You know, these amazing things, they're not happening in a synagogue service. Jesus is in the neighborhood and he's touching and he's healing. He's being, he's making whole. What does that mean to us? What does God want us to take from this passage of scripture? There's three things I want to, I want to share with you this morning. Number one is this. God's kingdom requires submission to the king first. You want to have that hope that when you die, you know exactly where, where you're going and, and what's on the other side and you don't have to be afraid of death anymore. How do you know that you're going to be part of God's kingdom? You first have to submit yourself to the king. He is the God of all authority. He straddles the universes at this very moment, church. He has all authority over heaven and earth and hell. And we must submit to his authority. Have you done that? Are you here this morning? You've come to this service and and you're oppressed by the enemy. Maybe you have a fear. Maybe, Maybe you have an illness this morning and you're afraid of dying. You don't have to be afraid of dying. If you know Jesus, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. For a Christian, death isn't the end. 
It's only the beginning of life. Death is the door that we pass through into the presence of God. Where he wipes away the tears. There's no more suffering. This is the kingdom of God. This is the good news that church that we've been commissioned to proclaim to the ends of the earth. Jesus saves. Jesus sets free. If you're here this morning and you're in bondage, you don't have to stay in bondage. But you've got to submit yourself to the king. The second thing I want to see when us see in this passage of scripture is that private victory precedes public victory. You want God to bless your life? God's got to start having victory in your private life. Go back to the first part of Luke chapter 4. Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus was able to have this public victory at the end of chapter 4 because he won the private victory over Satan in the wilderness. He was able to resist the temptations of the devil. Folks, if you want public victory in your life, you need to first be finding private victory. How much time are you spending alone with God each day? You know, we look at uh, Luke chapter 4, verse uh, 42. Jesus had a busy Sabbath day. Been to church. He had healed people through the night. Where was he the next morning? He was in a solitary place alone with God. You want to have the strength to to do well throughout your day? My friend, you got to get alone with God in the best part of your day. Whatever part of that day is, you need to get alone and listen to God's voice. You need to read his word and feed your soul. Peter says, Jesus, where else are we going to go? You have the words of life. These are words of life, my friend. And if you want faith to overcome, it's through the word. If you want public victory, you first have to gain private victory. And God has a word for each of us, but we got to... We gotta turn off the distractions. I know that's hard for you young moms and you got little, uh, uh, little guys at your ankles all, all day. But you gotta find some peace and quiet at some point in your day where you can hear from God. Not only that, but the third thing I want you to see about this passage of scripture is that we are his ambassador. We are ambassadors for Christ. If you're a child of God this morning, guess what? You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. 
This is not our home. And boy, we love planet Earth, don't we? We love the stuff of planet Earth. And we're trying to hold on and and accumulate more stuff here on Earth. But this isn't our home. We're just passing through. The best is yet to come. And we are ambassadors of what is yet to come. How well are you doing at that? How are you doing at loving your neighbor? Go back to chapter 4 for a second. Jesus spent time in the synagogue, but after the service was over, guess what? That's where the real ministry began. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. He healed all these people. And what does Jesus say in John chapter 20, verse 21? He tells his disciples, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. We have a responsibility to be Jesus in Ridgecrest. How well are you doing at being Jesus in Ridgecrest? This Thanksgiving, this November, I, I want to give you I want to give you a challenge. I was at the ministerial meeting uh, this last Thursday and uh, Salvation Army representative was there and she was talking about the needs of our community. Last year, they gave out uh, 750 Thanksgiving food baskets um, that fed 2,300 people. The needs are even greater this year in this economy. Um, 2,300 people represents almost 10% of the population of Ridgecrest. Folks, we need to help with that need. We need to be Jesus to people who have little. Um, and we've done this in the past. Um, each year we do a Thanksgiving food drive, and our youth are out in front of the grocery stores collecting food to fill the pantries at for uh, Salvation Army at Thanksgiving time. And we're going to continue to do that. But I don't want this to just be a youth project I want this to be an all-church project. So next Sunday, there's going to be a sign-up sheet on the wall in the dining room. And I just want to encourage uh, people, families, to take a two-hour time slot. We're going to start at 8 o'clock in the morning. We'll go till 5 o'clock Saturday night. But if you take a two-hour time slot to stand in front of a grocery store, handing out pieces of paper as people go in, Salvation Army has given us a needs list that they need for the Thanksgiving food boxes. And people have an opportunity to go in, purchase those items, and bring them back out to the table. And we'll collect those, and we send those on to the Salvation Army. We collect a lot of food. But I think we need to do more. I think we need to to purchase Thanksgiving boxes for families in need in our community.
in two ways we're going to do this. One, if you're a family in our church who has very little and you would appreciate a food box for Thanksgiving to help with Thanksgiving, folks, we want to do that. And if you'll just take that connection card and you write their, your name on that connection card, we'll make sure that you have a food box for Thanksgiving. If you know people in our community that you work with um, that could benefit from a food box, there's a real need there, I want you to give us their name. It's my goal that we're able to fill a hundred boxes this Thanksgiving for families in our community. This is something Jesus would want us to do. And can I do a little confession here right now? Typically at Thanksgiving time, we do a thank offering. And we talked about this year doing a thank offering that would purchase flat screen TVs for our classrooms here in our building. You know what? I'm ashamed of that. It's not about flat screens for this building. It's about being Jesus in this community. And we're going to do that at Thanksgiving and then come back and do it again at Christmas time. And I just want to challenge you to give a thanks, thank offering and know that this thank offering is going to go to purchase food boxes. A box costs $45 to feed a family. It's got the turkey, the pie, everything you want for a Thanksgiving dinner is going to be in this box. Salvation Army will be putting these boxes together for us. But I want us as a church to be able to buy a hundred of those boxes. That's five thousand, just a little under five thousand dollars. We can do that, church. And so I want to encourage you to pray about what you would give this Thanksgiving as a expression of gratitude of what God has done in your life is doing. You know, God told Abraham, Abraham. I'm going to bless you so that you can bless others. And that's what God wants to do in our life. He blesses us so that we can bless others. You know, we've been talking about um, the Oasis neighborhood and, and having a ministry there. And we still can't find the name of that person who owns that duplex down there to purchase this. But, you know what? I think another opportunity has come that where we could minister in the, the community center that's there in the middle of uh, La Mirage, an oasis. I was listening to um, to a church growth or not growth person, but helping churches being missional in their community. He said this about um, children. If children aren't reading at a fourth grade level as they're going through school, if they're not at a fourth grade level, that their life is going to spiral. Um, they're not going to be able to be successful in life. In fact, he said, he mentioned this um, in Florida, 
the state of Florida. Uh, they measure uh, children um, who aren't reading at the fourth grade level. Whatever that number is, those are the amount of beds that they have to provide in the future for prisons in Florida. It's that critical that children are reading at a fourth grade level. Folks, that's sad. I think the church could have a ministry to children who are having a hard time reading. We could go into that community center right now. We don't have to wait for the duplex. And we could begin to provide a tutoring ministry for children who need to learn how to read. I think that's what is what Jesus would want us to do. Be Jesus. I just have to brag on you for a minute. You know, last week we shared about the young man who passed away from um, uh, diabetes, um, went into a coma. He was 19 years old. <clears throat> we collected a very generous offering from you last Sunday. Hector and I got together and we took a check to this family on Tuesday. And uh, we gave we gave the parents the check and they were overwhelmed with their with your generosity. And dad started crying. They had worked really hard over that weekend and they had collected about three thousand dollars that they thought was going to be uh, the balance for the funeral service. They had gotten a call that morning that the fee had gone up uh, to a certain amount um, because they needed a bigger casket. We took that check to the family, and it was for the exact amount that the fee had gone up. You guys did that. God did that through you. Um, Raphael and his wife were here in the early service and uh, profusely thanking you all for the gift that you gave their family. Hector was um, led the service uh, this this last weekend, and uh, God used Hector in, in incredible ways. But uh, this family is overwhelmed. Hector's been Jesus to this family. Going back to Luke chapter 4, the Bible says that Jesus touched everyone he healed. It was It was beautiful to watch Hector... While we were in that home, this family, some of the children have health issues. Hector went up to each of these children, laid his hands on their face, and he prayed for them, that God would heal them. God didn't heal them right then. I don't know if God will heal them. But all I know is Jesus is the great physician and he can heal if he so chooses. It was just a beautiful picture 
of the presence of Jesus with his family. Folks, that's the church. And that's who Jesus wants us to be in this community. You know, I have a confession to make. I've, I've measured church by how well services go on Sunday morning and how many were in church and what was the offering and how many were in Sunday school. And I heard someone say, you don't measure this. You don't measure the success of the church by what happens within these four walls. You measure the success of the church by how well your city is doing. Emmanuel Baptist, we need to be the church. One of many churches, but we need to be the church in Ridgecrest. We need to be Jesus. We were Jesus Wednesday night harvest festival. It was a beautiful picture of the body of Christ just loving on the community. And for those of you served, thank you so much. I know it wasn't easy for for many of you, but you were a blessing in many people's lives on that night. One person prayed to receive Christ. That made it all worth it. Folks, as we are Jesus in the community, outside of these walls, just like Jesus was outside of those walls in chapter 4, may God give us more stories like these baptisms we've heard this morning. And may people be thanking you publicly for being Jesus in their life. That's what God wants to give to us as a church. He wants to bless us so that we can bless others. Let's pray. Is there somebody that comes to your mind that needs to be loved on? Shown the love of Christ? Guess what? God's wanting you to be that person. God wants you to be Jesus to that person. If they need to be blessed with a food box this month, give us their name. Is God leading you to participate in the food drive? For Salvation Army, be sure to sign up next week. Who does Jesus want you to touch? To show and express the love of God that God has for them. Do it, my friend. Jesus, I thank you for your great example. Lord, help us to be 
your church, your body in Ridgecrest. Thank you, Father, that as a denomination, we support efforts like disaster relief. And Father, I thank you for hundreds of volunteers who are traveling to the Northeast to be Jesus to people who hurt. God, I pray that you would use them in powerful ways. And I pray that hearts that have been hard to the gospel, God, that they would see Jesus at work all around them and be receptive to the good news. Jesus, help us as a church to be generous in sending dollars to disaster relief so that all the needs might be able to be met. Father, I pray that we we can be a blessing. And that outside these four walls, people would see Jesus in us. Not for our glory, but for yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.